I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Boom, 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 boom. Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and in today's episode, I got a chat with Mr. Tony Gentlecore. Tony Gentle, that's a tough name to say. Tony Gentlecore is probably one of the most prolific article suppliers on the interwebs that I know of. <laughs> He's, he uh, is uh, a contributor to, what is it, Men's Health, Women's Health, T-Nation, Bodybuilding.com, Metzlum Fitness, Men's Fitness. Uh, he's just, he's just pumps out so much really radical information. He's the co-founder of Cressy Sports Performance and, um, yeah, just an overall really sweet, humorous guy. So I really enjoyed having him on. In today's conversation, we got into all sorts of stuff, stabilizing the spine, balancing mobility and stability, got into his writing practices and the crystallization of our thoughts and how writing is a really helpful facilitator to understanding what the heck it is we're thinking. Another arbiter, 99% of the time, <laughs> when we come to low back issues, you know, it's that one area, it's L4, L5, S1, um, because that's where people are getting all of their motion from because they are unable to move elsewhere. Thank you so much for tuning into the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you will find hundreds of videos on self-care and functional movement, the self-care kit, hollow foam roller, screw on lids, different size, my fascialist balls, how to do band, door anchor inside that thing. Uh, all that you need to keep them tissues moving swell as long as you incorporate therapeutic movement along with that. We can get to the point that all of our movements are therapeutic. We don't need to constantly be running the system without oil and grinding our gears. There is a way and uh, I truly believe that is um, a true fountain of youth. Fountain of youth takes work. Um, thanks so much for five star reviews on itunes and uh, i really seriously appreciate that the algorithms appreciate that it's if you want to support this show that's a great way to do it It helps uh get it out there um quote that i have for today is from one of my idols in this world mr joseph campbell and it goes like this i've mentioned this before on the show but i'm gonna say it again it is by going down into the abyss that we recover the treasure of life where you stumble there lies your treasure god that's good um i have a friend who is dealing with breast cancer presently and um, it may be my wacky delusional reality that i live in but um she also wants to to help people do like therapy and such talk therapy with folks and uh, i see it as hands down the best college education she could possibly receive in the realm of reaching in to reach out and be able to truly affect other folks and be able to reach out and really really uh, really guide people on their path uh, but to get that type of education it's usually kind of painful it's not often that we can just kind of float through life and really have anything worth giving a damn to to bring back to the world so uh yeah, just thinking about leaning into our stress. You know, perception is everything, stoic philosophy, blah, blah, blah. If we're able to 
kind of tame that wild horse that is our monkey mind and slowly reel it in, uh, life ends up being a little bit more enjoyable. We can really sit back and appreciate the stressful moments in our life. Confucius says, blah, blah, blah. Um, so what else we got? I think that might be all. Utilize the Amazon portal on the website, por favor. Um, go into the blog or the podcast page on the right sidebar. Click on that thing, bookmark that. Every time you make some random, ridiculous purchase on Amazon, um, use that link, and then I get like six or seven percent of that uh, to fund the Line Podcast Foundation. Um, that probably really is it. Let's see. Do we got everything? I think we're good to go. Here we go, Mr. Tony Gentlecore. podcast i thought i lost you again <laughs> no no i'm here yeah i i feel like i was a complete asshat last time I'm no you were no that. no i think we came to the final decision that i was the asshat well we're both we'll take both lane then like, that's, I that's fair that, feel, that feels good do you, need, do you need me on camera please if possible okay let me, that, let me uh switch that over thanks man. i might need to turn is that light enough Oh, that's perfect. Very oh, handsome. Great. Much more well, handsome than I just, I just got back from the gym, so I'm a little of sweaty. Of course. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My shirt's not completely dry from the washer, and so <laughs> my shirt's wet. This has nothing to do with exercise. Um, I'm recording right now, by the way. This isn't going to get okay. used necessarily, but I just, I, I'm recording as soon as I call, and I don't do any like traditional. Well, it's a good thing I had a shirt on, or you know, then it would have. Been... I'm not wearing pants. I'm just <laughs> so it wouldn't be weird at all. I'd actually be more comfortable. I've done one one interview with a person. It was Jill Miller, I think, from uh, I think that was who it was, and I didn't have a shirt on because I was like, I was, I was exercising. It was the same bullshit, and yeah, I got yeah. there. I was like, oh, I don't have a shirt. My bad. Oh, well, that's just what we're going to do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, man, thanks so much for, for the time. Well, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Round, uh, attempt number two. <laughs> Numero dos, yeah. Well, you're freaking but, uh, prolific with writing articles, and so I'm curious, oh, and the well, articles that you write are great. One of the things that I like about writing is it it kind of, it's, it's like this crystallization of thought. It allows me to understand what I'm thinking. So even if you're not writing for men's health or what have you, exactly. I think it still behooves you, write some shit. You know, because yeah. you're able to move on from your thinking process. And that's the thing, too, is like a lot of you. That's a very good point that you brought up is there's a lot of um, fitness professionals, whether they're strength coach, personal trainer, yoga, whatever. They, they feel like like the, the, the mecca and like the, the holy grail is to write for these various fitness publications. And and like if you don't, then that doesn't count as writing. Right. Um, and that is false because there's a really good book I wrote, I read uh, not too long ago. Um, um, shoot, it was so good, I forgot the name of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll get, we'll, we can come back to uh, that. I can put it in the show notes. Yeah, I'll come back. But the, the whole point of the, uh, the big umbrella theme of the book was like, oh, it's called Everybody Writes. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I forget the name of the author, but it's called Everybody Writes. It's a female author. Um, and she'll tell you that writing an email counts as writing. Absolutely. Uh, you know, writing a letter counts as writing. So use that as practice, you know? So like when I'm, when I'm writing an email back to somebody, like I, I try to write it in my voice and they'll work on my style. I mean, that's kind of how you develop the style with your writing, right? Is just yeah. being yourself and what's authentic. And right. um, so I, I think you're right. Like, you know, one of the best ways to, to get a better grasp of any topic, whether it is breaking down squat assessment or whether it's talking about mobility exercises or whether it's talking about 
undulated periodization, whatever, the best way to learn to, to comprehend it and to um, get a better understanding of it is to write it out. Because um, if you can explain it on paper or, or computer, um, you know, the, the likelihood that you're going to be able to explain it, you know, to give the elevator pitch is, is going to be a lot higher. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you allow yourself to go in and do all that, that proofreading to really, yep. again, crystallize what you're yep. thinking, you know? And so having, yep. if you can be, I think it's, we think that people are just like, not, oh, he's just really smart. You know, it's like smart people usually really work at it, you know? Yeah. And then you see him talk <laughs> about stuff. You're like, whoa, that was great. But it's like, well, they've had all this time to refine their thought. You know, it's like your thought is kind of, you know, it could be like a diamond. You know, it's like that compression. Oh, shit. Like I, I'm stealing people's side. Like I, I, I don't consider one of my, one of those coaches that is like uh, um, an innovator. Right. Um, like I'm definitely somebody, not to say that I don't have like my own thought processes on any topic or anything like that. But um, I mean, there's nothing new in this industry. Right. But so what I, what I feel like I do a good job of is, taking a, a complicated topic or taking any kind of topic and just giving it my own vibe, my own flavor, my own take. And that that's what's unique. As I think that discourages a lot of people too from writing. Because they're like, well, what am I going to say that hasn't already been said? Well, it hasn't been said in your voice yeah. or your perspective so or your experience. So um, that is going to be new and unique to the world. So, um, you know, that that is that that's a you know, if you want to think of it that way, that's a pretty valuable tool to take into your writing as well. The best thing about this conversation is at any point, we could just replace writing with movement. And then it's yeah. a movement podcast. Hey, there you go. <laughs> you know, and so that's this little trick. It's that it's the and so it's it's that the the your most original expression of yourself through your body language. That's how we communicate to each other. You know, and so refining your words is a similar concept as refining your actual movement practice. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm curious, is there anything, like, what's been your evolution with the refinement of movement practice? Is that um, something that... You know, it's like, you know, there's all these buzzwords out there, like corrective exercise and um, mobility work and, um, I don't know, whatever whatever kind of other buzzwords that are out there. Um you know, and I like to consider myself a coach that can look at movement, whether, you know, and look at a pattern, whether it's a hip hinge, a push up, a squat, um, and just make it, you know, our eyes, we, our eyes are kind of the best judgment, right? Like, I don't need all this fancy equipment or like these super sexy assessments. And, you know, I can use my eyes. And if it looks wonky, it looks shitty, then that's all I need to, okay, what, what can I do to help fix that with a hip hinge? Why are they getting more movement through uh, lumbar spine than via their hips? You know, during their squat, why are they rounding their back? Like I can, you know, I can tinker and, you know, kind of, because I'm more of a, um, you know, correct movement is corrective. Mm -hmm. So, exactly. you know, so I try, I try to refrain as a coach of using, you know, the term corrective exercise or we got to correct you. It should all be corrective. Everything yeah, you do you know, in your whole life should be corrective exercise. <laughs> yeah, and it's true. Like, but it, it, I feel like there's a lot of, you know, I understand like there, it is a buzzword, but I feel like too, that there's a lot of professionals and in, in that, how that, how that word is used and then what your client and what your athlete hears you know, there's a, there's there's a there's a loss in translation interpretation there. So they're going to hear corrective exercise, and they're going to think that oh shit, uh, I'm doing something wrong. I need to be fixed. I'm broken. 
um, I, I would, I would prefer not to even have that enter their mind or just, I just try not to use that word in general, unless of course, you know, if they're, I mean, there's, there's circumstances where yes, that it'll work. Like if someone's in pain or, you know, like movement hurts, uh, then yeah, then I might say, okay, now we need to really kind of be re- regress everything and try to get you pain free. But, and at the, at the end of the day, um, correct movement is corrective. So, um, rather than me saying, Hey, we're going to do all these cute little big toe dorsiflexion and breathing drills and, you know, take a half hour just to warm up our glutes. Um, let's go train <laughs> and uh, it'll be my job to make sure that you're doing, doing stuff correctly. Um, and then hopefully everything else just kind of take care, take care of itself. So, um, I don't know if that answers your question, but it's kind of, it's kind of like a deep rabbit hole, but yeah, yeah. that, that's, that's, that's kind of like my, my overarching theme with how I approach movement is I, um, you know, yes, I can look at how my assessments and what I use and try to break down, um, that movement into smaller chunks and into, okay, what's their hip range of motion, right? What are they doing in internal rotation, external rotation? How much hip extension do they have? Do they have ample hip flexion? Yeah, I, I can break all that down, which gives me information. But um, and not only that, I can break that down into passive and active. So you know, have them lay on a table, and I poke and prod, and I do range of motion, and that's that's going to give me great information. Um, but I want to get them standing, and I want to get them moving, and then that's going to give me. I to me, that gives me even more information because. Um, you know, I, I, I just want to see what their default patterns are and, and what they're going to be doing when we just have them do stuff and not just having them lay on their back and me just poking and prodding. Right. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, I think that sometimes we can get stuck in these like textbook perspectives of ourselves. Exactly. And it's like, what's the person look like when they're in the cardboard anatomical position or they're laying on a table? Yep. And that's, you know, from my approach with, you know, utilizing manual therapy and movement work. You know, that's something I, it's like, I don't really care how you lie on a table. Like that tells me information <laughs> for sure. But feeling yeah. your tissue tells me more and watching you get out of your car and walk into my office tells me maybe not the most, but it's on par with feeling your tissue. You yeah. Know, but we, we need to be able to separate ourselves from that static cardboard model, which is challenging because that's the only education we get. Yeah, you know? no, I agree. Like, and I, and you know, and luckily like I have a, I have a pretty good network of people that I can refer to because I mean. I am not a manual therapist. Like I, I certainly don't try not to play that card. Like I can, can I cheat a little bit and kind of um, tinker on that threshold and, and and put my hands on people and do like these, you know, fake ART stuff? Like yeah, but I try not to. Right. <laughs> um, it's, you know, I, I usually I, I I'm very lucky and fortunate that I have a um, a lot of people here in Boston that I can refer out to that that they can actually do manual therapy and grasping and ART and PRI stuff and all that. So, um, but you know, I globally like, yeah, you know, it kind of starts with the, with a personal trainer or a strength coach, you know, like we need to be able to ascertain, okay, movement wonky. Is it painful? Is it non-painful? Um, you know, then we need to, we need to know like when we, when we, uh, overstep our, um, scope of practice or scope of expertise and be able to refer to guys like yourself who can then give us a little bit more feedback sure. um, as far as um, what to avoid and what to do more of and, and stuff like that. What is wonky movement? Like from your perspective <laughs> and when you see people, because like when you say wonky movement to me, I go and all that like, yes, like, you know, but I'm wondering for yeah. other folks like what the so hell is wonky, wonky movement? wonky movement to me would be like, you know, if I'm looking at a squat pattern and it kind of looks like they're a baby giraffe. 
Um, <laughs> you know, that like that, that's kind of like, if I, if I had to like, if you had to like, put me, that would kind of be like my first go-to adjective, right. you know, like they just, they look like it's like a very novel movement. It's like, what the fuck is this? Like, holy shit, what am I doing? Um, you know, knees are wobbling. Like there's just, there's no stability. They don't own the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is, is what wonky movement would be. So, you know, with a deadlift, you know, like why they, they're just cranking through their lumbar spine, massive rib flare, you know, they're rounding their back and, you know, with a push up too, like, you know, are they able to control that lumbar pelvic hip area? Um, you know, is it just all over the place? Is there limited control? So that, that to me is wonky movement. So, can, um, can you break down what a rib flare looks like? As well. Yeah, rib flare. So, are you are you familiar with any of the PRI um, yeah. methodologies and stuff like that? Yeah, a bit. So, so they they talk about rib flare in, in a sense of like uh, they'll talk about what they they consider a, a scissor position and a canister position. So they would argue that a lot of people out there, whether they're athlete or non-athlete, are in a scissor position. So basically, they're their pelvis and their 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 pelvic floor are facing one way, and their rib cage and their and their diaphragm are facing another way. Right. So they're kind of pointing in opposite directions. So rib flare is kind of like, you know, they're very extended and it's like sticking out a lot, yeah. and their pelvis is facing kind of in the opposite direction, um, and they will call that a scissor position, and that's a very unstable position. Yeah. You know, when we take not only do we are you taking that. Um, uh, um, postural representation, but then when you start adding movement and load and repetition and speed, uh, it can be a recipe for bad things happening. <laughs> uh, so what, the, what they're an advocate of is more of a canister position and thinking that, like, your, think of your pelvis as like a ring, and think of your all the ribs in your in your thoracic area, that, that thoracal canister, as rings, and we're trying to stack the rings on top of one another and using breathing positional breathing and reaching to get people and like to learn how to exhale correctly like that's a kind of a foreign concept for people um learning how to get all their air out and get the, those ribs down uh getting that anterior core to fire getting people in that more canister aligned position and then hopefully take that position and then when we go deadlift when we go squat when we do everything else like they're just going to be in a um a safer more conducive power position yeah um so that's kind of like the very watered down explanation. Like PRI, you you want to talk about a rabbit hole? I'm sure as you know, like there's, uh, it can get pretty. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I guess rabbit hole is the best explanation. It, it's like it's deep. Yeah. So, um, but that to me is like when I when I do all my workshops and when I go out and speak and start talking about PRI, um, that's kind of how I explain it. Is that really we're just trying to get people in a better position. Um, getting them at a super extended position where their ribs are flared out and they're, they're in excessive anterior pelvic tilt yeah. and um, just just hope, just getting them into a, a more aligned position. Cool. Awesome. And so one way, kind of like an analogy for people to think of is like a big part of this is balancing intra-abdominal pressures, you know? Yep. And so when, as you're going into that position, if you think of yourself as like a cylindrical water balloon or any kind of balloon, if you were to crank that out in the middle that might look yep. a lot like a you know a scissor position or flaring. yeah there you go great i love you know? it and then yeah. that could relate to maybe a bulging disc you could say yeah. or that could relate to impingement on your digestion or impingement any once you impinge any portion of the body you then end up having this 
impingement of the rest of the body because it needs it's to all nervous system. to hold it. It's all, yeah, it's all nervous system. So PRI will say like that extended position or that scissor position, um, you know, not to get too technical, but they call it the, the posterior mediastinum and like your basically that, that the, the, the cavity that's in between your spine and, and your rib cage, you know, all these nerves that are in there are just on fire because you're so extended and they're getting impinged. Um, you know, and what they, what they'll say is like a lot of people are very sympathetic, like they're on all the time because they live in that inhaled state or that extended state. Um, and a lot of what they're trying to do is get people more parasympathetic, get them to chill out a little bit, um, turn their nervous, like kind of pump the brakes on the nervous system being on. Um, and then like, you're right though, but get just learning that, you know, there's that term out there that's thrown around called uh, 3d expansion or, or 360 degree breathing. And the simplest one that I, that I do a lot of people, which, um, you know, long, that I learned long before I even heard about PRI, which is listening to Greg cook talk about alligator breathing mm-hmm. or crocodile breathing. So you just have people lay in their stomach, you know, and then like you learn it, you, you teach them to get their, to breathe in their chest and their belly. So the rib cage, so that their upper back and, and lower back kind of raise at the same level. You know, then you teach them to expand out sideways and you just learn, you just get them to learn that 3D expansion. Um, and that, and that, that in of itself, when we talk about intra-abdominal pressure and, you know, performance in the weight room, uh, that's going to, that's going to be a game, game changer for a lot of people. Cause it not only are going to own that better position, but now they're going to be more stable. Um, and, uh, good things will happen as far as their performance numbers in the weight room. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, uh, one of my favorite people, Eric, Eric, you know, Eric Goodman foundation, Oh no, I, I don't. I mean, oh, I'm he's sure, I'm, sweet man. Check him out. I'm sure I've come across the name. Like, where where is he located? Uh, he lo- he lives in his RV presently. Actually, he's, he moved to, he moved he moved to, to Florida, and he was okay. in Santa Barbara for a while. And, Eric Good, yeah, okay. he's sweet. Check him out. He's been on the podcast as well. Um, okay. So, but yeah, one of the things that he calls that I, I feel like he might have coined this, but um, I mean, people have coined it well before. But is is decompression breathing, which is essentially like taking your hands into kind of like shaka, like Hawaii shaka yeah. positions, yeah, yeah, and going from the front, putting one in front and the lower ribs down to the ASIS or the little bony things in the front of your pelvis, yep. and then breathing in and really lifting that space and then essentially doing the same thing in your back, taking the lower ribs, then to the, then to the PSIS, you know, the posterior iliac, yeah. uh, <laughs> what is it? Posterior superior iliac spine. Uh, cr- it's just yep. what I say. Um, you know, and doing the same thing there, taking a breath and really expanding from the back, expanding from the sides, expanding from the front, really lifting that cylinder that is, you know, for most of us, a collapsed midsection. Yeah. You know, so, so I mean, it sounds like examples. it's the same, same, same concept, really. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there's, there, you know, there's PRI, there's DNS, there's, um, I mean, there's so many different things out there, but 90% of it's all the same. Right. You know, it's just, it's just different three letter, three letter acronyms that we're using. Yeah. Um, but we're just getting people into better positions. Yeah. So from your approach being not manually uh, getting people into these positions, what's, what are some like takeaways that people, everybody ought to be doing in order to, to renew their cylinder? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the, 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 the two, I think going back to what I said about crocodile breathing, like that would be the first two drills that I use with most of my clients just to teach the concept or to build context, um, is the crocodile breathing. And then also, uh, adding in a dead bug with a full exhale. Um, cause you, you asked, it's funny, I'll ask people to demonstrate a dead bug to me and like, they're, 
they look like they're having a seizure. They're like, oh, dead bugs. And, right. you know, then I, if anything, I get them to slow down, yeah. um, own that, you know, make sure they're, they're, they're keeping that, uh, their back position against the floor. Like maybe a little bit of a natural lordotic curve, but I don't want that curve to get any bigger. Yeah. Um, but then adding in that full exhale. So as they're lowering their limbs, they're getting that, they're getting their air out, they're getting into that canister position. And maybe after a rep or two, maybe three, um, you'll, you'll, they'll notice them, their limbs start shaking a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll say, that's good. I want that to happen. That means like your, your muscles are actually doing the, the work now. They're, they're, they're working, they're turning on. Um, so like me taking that, I, I, I love dead bugs. Like I can't, I can't tell you how many times that I've maybe like, I worked with a lot of overhead athletes when I was at Cresty Sports Performance with baseball players. Right. Um, and now that I'm not there and, and I'm working more general fitness, you know, even still, people's ability to move their arms over their head and the shoulder flexion or shoulder elevation or overhead is really poor. Um, you know, and I can't tell you how many times I'll test that and it's really bad. You know, they, they're lucky to get to 110 degrees of shoulder flexion. Right. And then I'll have them do a dead bug where they're getting, they're, they're increasing, they're getting that better rib position. They're getting, they're getting the nervous system to, to, to kind of turn off a little bit. You know, they are getting a little bit of a lat stretch in there. Have them do like a couple, one or two rounds of that, and I'll retest their shoulder flexion. You know, they, but they've turned on their inner core. They've turned on those deep, those deeper muscles. They've turned on their obliques, their anterior core. Everything's kind of like turned on now. Yeah. Um, and you'll uh, almost always I'll see an improvement in their shoulder flexion just by doing that drill. Right. Um, and it's pretty cool. It's like, 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 holy cow, like, how did that happen? Yeah. Um, and I say, hey, we're just we're just trying to we're just manipulating your nervous system to kind of it, it. It, it isn't that you have to stretch and crank and yank and smash and do all this crazy stretching and mobility work. It's like you're, you're unstable. Um, if we get you more stable, you know, we call it improving your, your proximal stability, you know, we're going to get better distal mobility. Sure. So the answer isn't always, uh, stretching this and yanking on that and, you know, doing like taking a, a barbell and smashing into your adductor. Um, it's just, no, we got to work on your stability and then we'll, and we'll, we'll probably get some transient improvements in your mobility. So just that, just even that drill alone, um, will sell a lot of people on what I'm trying to convey to them. So if I can show them an improvement um, in their hip range of motion, in their shoulder flexion, just by having them do an, a proper dead bug um, in under two minutes, uh, you know, the likelihood that they're going to be like, oh, this guy, okay, cool. Like I, I, I show them an improvement on something that they've been working years to improve and never saw any improvement. Um, you know, they, I, it's kind of like, I, I got them hooked. It's like, yeah, right. let's do this. For so, the, for the 97% of people that don't know what a dead bug is, what's a dead bug? Oh yeah. Well, that's basically when you lie on your back. Um, you're, you, I mean, there's other variations of this too, but your legs and arms will be up in the air. Then as you exhale, you're going to lower opposite limbs towards the ground and, and basically increasing that that uh Leverage. that lever and basically it's just getting people there's a lot of things that are happening there number one we're getting we're getting the abs to fire our, what we call our anterior core but another advantage of this exercise too is that we're, we're getting people to learn how to dissociate hip movement from lumbar movement hmm. so again we are increasing core stability like we're getting a lot of our what we would deem our traditional core muscles to fire our abs our obliques our you know deeper the ta all those deeper muscles too um, but then we're also learning to get people to uh, appreciate that 
no, we want to, we want to get movement from your hips and not crank through that lumbar spine. Like that needs to be solid. That's your core. Yeah. So um, that would be the. And I think that's one of the most underrated core exercises out there. Like I've seen pro athletes, big, beefy, strong guys, everyone. Uh, do really poor with a dead bug, you know, just because you have this like good six-pack doesn't mean you have a You know a strong core. So sure. um, it, it's, it's, it's a great litmus litmus test to um, To guess one's ability to stabilize appropriately and have that that core strength, too Yeah, I feel like the lumbar spine is like the over generous family member that just keeps on giving and giving and giving <laughs> You know, it's it's like yeah. the, the point. It's like if well, thoracic spine is not going to move because you're stuck in a hyperkyphotic, you know, folded forward staring yeah. at your iPhone all day long. But lumbar yeah. can still kind of jiggle, so we'll just keep on borrowing from that, you know. And then eventually, yeah, yeah. that's when you end up having things like lumbar disease, amongst other yeah. other other dilemmas that come yeah. from that. I mean, a lot of people. I mean, low back pain is such a broad topic. I mean, we don't even know what the hell causes it. Really, it's just like we're just kind of like cl- clutching at straws. But um, one of the biggest culprits to me is. Uh, too much lumbar movement like I, I mean there is going to be a degree of lumbar movement that I want to happen like especially you know then there's a difference between unloaded lumbar movement and loaded lumbar movement so um, you know I think that's a, that's another dangerous thing that we have to be careful of because I remember back in when I first started in this industry so we're talking back in like 2002 2003 2004 um, of course I started reading Stuart McGill and all of his work and you know we had no lumbar movement like we got to lock it down um, but you know, then we did a really good job of like locking people down to like no movement and then, uh, all these other things started to happen like, to the point where we avoided all lumbar flexion, you know, and then we got people too extended reverse posturing. Um, it is a lot to move. So, uh, but, uh, but, but I, but yes, you're right for, I think you even threw the number out there for 97% of the people out there. Um, you know, it's an arbitrary number, but I wouldn't doubt if it's right on point. Probably closer. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, cleaning that up, you know, to we're to the point where, um, you know, because as a strength coach and as a performance coach, I mean, you kind of have to tinker that threshold. Like people have to learn to get into a precarious position in order to get out of it. Like they kind of have to learn. I mean, you look at a lot of the elite powerlifters, elite Olympic lifters, any kind of elite athletic person, um, they train themselves to avoid those 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 precarious positions in a, in a lot of ways, you know. So. Um, you know, again, the people, and then of course you get people where it gets, where it becomes dangerous is you get a lot of people who are watching YouTube and they're watching the CrossFit games and they're, I can do that. I'm going to do that program. And, um, they're not remotely ready for it. (laughs) Um, so, uh, I mean, there is there, I mean, again, when we, when we go to lumbar, the lumbar spine and, you know, certainly guys like Stuart McGill and Craig Liebitson and all those guys are going to be the guys to go to as far as research and good information. But, um, you know, yeah, it is. It is supposed to move. Like we're not just we're not just like standing in a straight plank at, at 24 hours a day, 27 days a week. But um, for a lot of people, learning to better control that area is never a bad thing. Yeah. To to uh, in relation to the the over generous cousin analogy, if everyone in the family is generous, it's fine. 
You know, so that that's that's like global movement patterns. That's all right. If you can bend and have a really nice arc through lumbar spine into thoracic spine in relation to cervical spine, you know, and you really, oh yeah, they're all working in congruency. I'm a flexible mofo through my yeah. whole system. It's it's the issue becomes when I'm really stiff when it, in when a only part, motion there, and then yeah. there's this one part that just blows out, and that's what you see in yoga for, for 97 percent yep. of people. I mean, look where most bend. people where the most back issues happen: L4, L5, S1. Exactly. Right. So that, and then that almost, and that even another arbitrary ninety nine percent of the time, <laughs> when we come to low back issues, you know, it's that one area. It's L four, L five, S one, because that's where people are getting all of their motion from because they are unable to move elsewhere. So it's path of least resistance, right? So yeah, of course, like we need to take into consideration, like we got to open up people's T-spines and like, you know, allow, the body is supposed to move. Like, you know, where it becomes problematic is when we reprogram people, okay, we can't move. And then they get so stiff that it's just in that one area. Um, that's not doing them any favors either. So I think it's important as well when you look at people like Stuart McGill. I love Stuart McGill, and he's also been on the show. But you know, look at the people that we respect the most. Oftentimes, they can be—they're usually stuck on the things that they've had problems with their own in their own life. You know, or they're coming from their own perspective. It might not relate to you completely. You know, so Stu's really, really good about stability and support and neutrality yeah. and finding all that stuff. Dancing, where, where does that come in? You know, because that's a, that's been something that we've done for you know since prehistory. That's been one of the most yep. important aspects of our of our human health. But it's really challenging to put your finger on top of that and say, "Aha!" You know, it's the perfect neutrality. Blah blah blah. It's like, well, what about when things get kind of weird? You know, and I think that having yeah. that having that strong foundation, that's where we can. It's a really great place to get back to. But from there, what about just having? fun in our bodies you know? True. yeah yeah um i mean i was a corporate lover too like i remember i used to be very strict and like no we, no no crunches no this no that like we're gonna it's all about stability um you know you just gotta understand that the the body is meant to move and different people are different yeah. <laughs> um you know like how how uh a power lifter moves is going to be different from someone who does yoga, who does someone who plays basketball to someone who just, you know, is a 50 year old grandmother. Like it's, you, everyone's, everyone's different. Everyone has different goals. Um, and yeah, you're right. Like I think, uh, you know, from a programming standpoint, certainly like I'm a little bit biased and like stuff I like to do. Like I like to get people strong. I, I like to, you know, people deadlift and squat and bench press and, you know, do all that stuff. But at the same time, um, the, the 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 program that they're going to follow to the greatest adherence is going to be one that they're they want to do, right. um, and it needs to include some stuff that they like to do. Like I all the time, like when I'm when I'm training people, you know, I'll be there'll be an exercise listed, and then they'll be like, oh, you know, I kind of I kind of like this one. I I kind of like doing it this way better. And I'll be like, okay, let's do it. Like I mean, I don't give a fuck. Like you know, <laughs> we're, we're still we're still getting a training effect. I mean, I do I do care, of right. course. You know, but I mean, there is a degree of like they are hiring me for a reason, you know, whether it's like a specific goal they're looking for or something hurts or whatever. Like, you know, I feel like I do a pretty good job of writing individualized programs that get them to their goal. But at, at the other end of the spectrum, you know, if, they, if, they, if, they, if there's 10 minutes left and, you know, we've done all the work and my guy wants to they want to do, you know, a quick arm finisher, then let's do it. Like, you know, it's it, there is a. a, a 
you know, we, we, we tend to be very stubborn sometimes as fitness professionals and we get very biased in our ways. Right. Um, and, you know, and the more, you know, whether you want to call it experience, you know, I've been in this for a while. Like, you know, you, you, at the, there, there is a little bit of a, um, maybe not 50, 50 split, but you know, there's a little bit of give and take as far as like, you know, yeah, we got to have fun too. So, yeah. um, I'm right there with you. Yeah, Bruce, I'm pretty sure Bruce Lee, I wrote this down. I, I, sometimes I'll, I'll misconnect someone else might have said something, but Bruce Lee, I'm pretty sure he gave his, uh, the people that he worked with, he said, call, you know, here's the move. I want you to call it whatever you want to call it. You know, like it doesn't need to be my name. That's the name that I came up for. That's the personal yeah. relationship that I have with that movement. It's mine. You know, and you can model that for, you know, for as long as you need to model that. But my goal for you is to is to stand on my shoulders you know i want you to i want you to go further than this i want you to have a personal relationship with this experience and then that's yeah, what does that guy know come on right <laughs> you know but i think that's something that we if but that takes creativity you know and that takes empowerment and that takes you know kind of intelligence and and, and the, the feeling of like i can do this but i feel like so yeah. many people are stuck on some teat of like i need to be told what to do you know, it's like, well, and, that, and that's a problem. Like I, 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 you know, I, one of the things that I, I do a workshop with my wife, um, we've done three of them. It's called strong body, strong mind. Um, and she's a, she's a clinical psychologist, sports psychologist, PhD, like very smart. She married me for some reason. Um, <laughs> but you know, one of the things that we stress when we, when the workshops we do, we speak to a lot of fitness professionals you know, I, I tell them like, listen, when I, when I start with a new person on day one, a lot of more often than not on day one, I'm telling them, you know, I wanted to get to the point where you, you do not need me. Like you do not need my services. You're not going to need me. Um, my goal for them, my goal for my goal for them is to make them autonomous, make them competent, um, to be able to like, they should be able to walk, you know, they travel wherever they go to a hotel gym, they go to you know, a gym in East bumble shit, New York, whatever. Um, they should be able to walk in and, and like, like figure it out. Like, you know, do something that, that, that is a competent looking training session based off how I've coached them, what I've showed them to do, um, you know, what their limitations are, what they're good at, et cetera. Um, you know, I want them to get to that point where they can just go ahead and go in and get a training session. Not, not always have to be told, do this, do this for this many sets, this slow, this tempo, um, you know, but a funny thing happens is like, you know, I tell them that, um, I'm a good coach. So I mean, I, I'm educating my clients all the time. Like, this is why we're doing this. Like, here's how we would regress this. Here's some, here's a good article that explains this. I mean, I'm always educating. Um, they end up staying for a lot of the time. Sure. Um, you know, but because I'm very upfront and transparent in the, in the beginning, like, listen, I don't, I don't want you to be with me for, for three years. Like, I'm going to run out of things to do with you anyways at some point, like at some point it's going to be like, well, I guess we'll do this. Like, um, but I, 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 it, it would, it would, it only behooves me since when you use that word already, I'm going to use it. <laughs> uh, what up to, yeah. To, to, uh, to make that, make them their own best advocate, like to make it like, so they don't need me and then they move on and they, they become like a pad one and, or they graduate from being a pad one and they, they go off into the fitness world and maybe refer a person or two to me. But, um, 
you know, I think that's a big mistake that a lot of young trainers make is that they don't, they, they they fear that concept. Like, no, I, I, they, I have to keep them. And no, if you, the, the, the quicker you make your clients autonomous and confident, they're going to, they're going to reward you with either being loyal or they're going to refer people to you. So, um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a concept. That's a lost concept on a lot of uh, fitness professionals. Yeah, I mean, it's base. I mean, then that relates to how you operate as a human being. If you operate from more yeah. of like a scarcity paradigm, where there's not enough resources, I gotta get it all. You know, then of course that would spill over into the way that you work with people. Yeah. You know, it's you know like, I think another thing too that's important is being, be, not being afraid of saying I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think. Uh, you know, I like to think that it, it's rare that I get. Uh, um, uh, confounded, like, or I, I feel like I very, very rarely am I like taken about, Oh my God, I don't know this. Um, but it does happen and I'm not scared to say, Hey, you know what? I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. Right. Um, but I know somebody who does know the answer and I will get that answer to you as soon as possible. And then usually what I'll usually do is I'll follow up with an email with, you know, whether it's a couple articles or, um, an answer. I mean, and, and again, that's just a way of building uh, a good relationship with your clients and building autonomy and, um, you know, transparency, which, which goes a long way. Yeah. There's a, since we're using big words and smart stuff like behoove, there's a, a quote from, <laughs> from Lao Tzu that's, okay. uh, it's, it's an understanding all of the world's knowledge. Are you able to release yourself from your mind renounce your mind? I think is how it goes. You know, okay. I think that's a, we, in this same conversation, we can keep on going down this road. Like, you know, I don't know everybody, but someone knows it's like, well, there's some things that don't even need to be explained. We don't, and honestly, like, <laughs> you know, don't, like that's fine. there's that, like, yeah, of course, there's that, um, and we don't need to know everything. I think that's another mistake that, you know, as trainers, like, to. you know, we talk about this, uh, this gap between, like, bridging the gap between performance training and physical therapy, or, or manual therapy, or whatever, and, like, you know, you got a lot of these fitness professionals who are, like, they want to be, they want to have their, their hand in every single component of, you know, yeah, strength training, but they also want to do manual therapy, but they also want to do physical therapy, you know, to the point where I think Nick Tumanello said it best, where you have a lot of personal trainers doing shitty physical therapy um, and shitty personal training, yeah. you know, to the point where, you know, they're they're so, um, again, they, they go looking for dysfunction, which I think is another big mistake during the assessment to the point where, yeah, you, you, they, they point out every little nook and cranny or thing that people are doing wrong. I got to fix that. I got to fix that. I got to fix that. This is wrong. Um, to the point where, you know, they're, they're, they're not giving a training effect to their client and they're doing really shitty physical therapy, um, where, and I do, I do like, I do like the idea of bridging the gap. Like I do feel like the, the physical therapy world and the performance training world are are definitely there. There is an overlap. I it, that I would be wrong to say otherwise. Um, and I do think as a as a fitness professional, you should know functional anatomy. You should know um, how the body works, and especially if you work with certain demographics. Like I worked a lot of overhead athletes, so it only made sense that. I should probably know like what the shoulder does and how to train the shoulder and how to assess the shoulder and um, be able to know the shoulder pretty well. So, um, you know, I do think like uh, personal trainers do need to know anatomy. Like, I mean, honestly, like I guarantee if you and I walked into a commercial gym, any commercial gym in the country, and we just walked up to a random personal trainer and said, name me three of the four rotator cuff muscles, they'd be like, oh, uh, uh," like that, that shouldn't happen. Right. (laughs) Like you, you, there is a, there is a bridge that does need to be, there is an overlap between the two. However, um, 
you do get a lot of personal trainers now who are like, oh, physical therapists don't know anything and, you know, I'm just going to do it. And you're not a physical therapist. So, um, you know, of course, you need to develop relationships and network, but uh, you need to know your scope of practice. So um, I don't know where I was going with that ramp, but I think think that's, you know, having the foundation of knowing I'm going to do it. Teres minor, subscapularis, infraspinatus, supraspinatus. You get that ah, from the foundation. Thank you. Uh, but you have the foundation of that, and that's really important. But from there, understand. It's if you, if you move forward without the foundation, that's when you're wishy-washy. You know? But I yeah. think that if you're stuck on infraspinatus, supraspinatus, you know, in the first 12 degrees of abduction or whatever, it's like, I don't know how important that is in really recognizing what real like functional sexy movement is, you yeah. know, because you're yeah. still kind of in this robot paradigm. I was like, oh, you went to 14 degrees. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, no, that has nothing to do with the, an organism. Yeah. You know? And a lot of people, you've got to be careful of that, too, because I know there's there are a lot of trainers that try to um, win over clients by sounding smart. Right. Uh, and true. most clients don't care. Yeah. Like they don't care that they they lack they don't they only have forty degrees of upper rotation when they should be at fifty five and uh, that's why their shoulder hurts and they just want their shoulder to feel better so show me what exercises I need to do to make it feel better like they so you got to you got to be careful I mean some clients want to know that like that that's cool to me like if they want to know like what all that stuff cool I'll I'll break down straightest anterior and low trap upper trap how we're going to improve upper rotation whatever. Um, but a lot of times you got to be careful because I, again, going back to stuff that I did wrong coming up in this industry, um, and I think I turned off a lot of people in doing so. Was I try to always, I always try to win. Um, like I'm right. Like this is why I'm right. Uh, you know, and most clients aren't going to care. Like a, um, you know, Mike Boyle is 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 renowned for saying like no one cares how much you know till they know how much you care. So. Um, you know that that always stuck with me. Like, yeah, I think you need to know this stuff. I do. I do feel like it. Any trainer should know scapular mechanics and you know, what anatomy. They need to know it. Um, but you don't necessarily have to like vomit it to all your clients at all, at, at all times. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, there's there there's a there's a there's a fine line to be drawn there as well. There as well. What it is, is, you know, as a personal trainer, it's like when you walk into a doctor, they're wearing a stethoscope and they're wearing a white lab coat and then you have all these ridiculous tools that it's like they're probably never going to use. And you walk in, you're like, well, they really know what they're talking about. You know, it's like it's the same thing as if you go see a shaman and they're wearing, you know, eagle feathers and whatever. And they go and, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, wow, this is I'm having this experience. So our language is kind of where we lack a stethoscope and a lab coat, our language ends up kind of being, it's like a decoy of sorts. It's like putting people into a place of like, okay, I think this guy knows what you're talking about. He said subscapularis, you know, he knows it. Boom, you know? He's got it but down. then, yeah. but then there's, there's going beyond that point of, of, of the facade or the show that I know and getting to the caring point. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's the crucial point that a lot of people, you know, maybe don't know how to really fully express. Because they're wrapped up in the words. Yeah, and I think there's to to take that point a little bit further. I also think that if, if someone thinks that you're a uh, an uppity dick um, <laughs> that uses big words and like anatomy and like talks basically talks down to people, right. um, they're not going to want to move well for you. Right. That's it. You know what I mean? Like you know, part of 
you know, we, I mean, globally, like we're talking, this podcast is about movement and getting people moving better and, and moving well and feeling better. Um, and yeah, again, I, I, as a, as a fitness professional, we need to know anatomy and like, you know, breaking down assessment and movement and like what are acceptable degrees of wonkiness. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, like as, as, you know, developing a relationship with, you know, outside of like, um, the fitness and the sense of like, talking to a person like they're a human being, like talking about yeah. movies or talking about their pet or that goes a long way with people wanting to work with you. Um, and then developing that relationship to, to the point where when you do tell them to do something, this is why I want you to do this, this is how it's going to help you. Um, they're going to want to do it. Yeah. So, um, it, yeah, developing relationships is, 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 uh, I mean, not to get all soft and warm and cuddly, but We're already um, there. that, that it's is, yeah, that, that, <laughs> That is a discussion that, um, you know, the psychology behind this industry is, is huge. And I think that, um, you know, as much as we can talk about assessment and, you know, improving someone's deadlift performance, um, you know, what goes on inside someone's head and your head and the roadblocks and negative self-talk and mindset. Um, luckily, I have a wife that talks about all that stuff. So it, it definitely helps. But, um, you know, you, you certainly need to be addressing that kind of stuff, too. Like, you know, even even like organizations such as Precision Nutrition, um, a lot of their coaching, even though they're a nutrition company, a lot of their certification is is about psychology and mindset and how to how to properly interview somebody or how to how to properly ask questions and um, you know that that that's a huge component that a lot of again a lot of trainers and coaches miss out on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the end of the day, if you can deadlift six hundred pounds, but you still want to kill yourself, it doesn't really matter. And you got to <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's got to you know at some point there's an acceptable. Um, that's another question too. Is like you know how strong is strong enough, and where where is it worth it? I think uh, I don't know. Do you know John Russin? No. Um, he's a he's a physical therapist, strength coach. Who writes he he writes a lot for T Nation, and um, you know he put up something on Facebook the other day where he was at a commercial gym and he saw this older gentleman who's in shape. He, he I think he described him as like 65 in that area, and he was like you could tell that he had been lifting weights like pretty much his whole life, and he was he was benching 300 plus pounds, and I guess that he as he was locking out the bench like his arms snapped, like and he was just like. You know, he's like, yes, it was awful. Like, I felt, I felt bad for the guy. That's not something I ever want to see again. Mm -hmm. But he's like, at 65, like, what is the benefit of benching 300 some odd pounds for reps and getting what? What is the benefit of getting that extra rep in? Mm -hmm. um, you know, of course, that that's a discussion to have with that gentleman. Maybe, maybe he was training for a powerlifting meet. I don't know, but um, you know, there there is a there that is a conversation that we all got to have with ourselves and you know with our clients is like, what is, you know, when it comes to movement and health, um, health should come before performance. Like, you know, yeah, you need, you need to, you know, I, another Andrew Reed put up a good post the other day where it's like, you know, if you're, if you're, if you can't walk with your feet straight or you're in pain, you, you, you don't, that doesn't give you free reign to, um, start training for a 10k tomorrow. Like you need, you need to be, you need to be a functioning pain free, like, moving well human being before you start worrying about performance and athletics and you need to learn to walk before you run right. um and there's a lot of people that are they're just kind of blind to that like no i need to train for this and even though they they can't they can't run more than 
uh, 50 yards without their knees killing them. Right. It's like, hello, like, <laughs> like, yeah. why don't why don't you get healthy first, and and then then you can worry about that stuff later on. But and that's um, when people it, want that instant gratification. Yeah, and that's when it becomes such a psychological discussion of how do we yep. how do we as a coach, you know, I really like the word coach, you know, as yeah. as, as a coach, how do we guide or assist people in their journey to essentially get out of their way of themselves for long enough that they can make the gains they need to get to the point, get back on the path that they need to be. You know, if someone's seeking you out, they've probably veered off path a little bit, you know, or they're looking, you know, they might be on a great path, but they just want to be higher along on it. You know, mm -hmm. but the big thing is getting the heck out of the way of ourselves. You don't need to run 20 miles four times a week like you just don't yeah, you don't have to no. <laughs> you could it's fine you, you can i mean you it's know, one but... thing if you like doing it like i get it but if if you're if there's this constant circle of you doing that and getting hurt and this breaking down and like that that then you got to have a discussion like come on dude like you know i like i have i have a client right now who is an older gentleman avid golfer um, he's adamant that he wants to deadlift and every time we deadlift, like his hip hurts or this hurts. I'm like, dude, like we don't have to deadlift. Like we really don't have to. He's like, no, I got to deadlift because he reads T nation and you know, he reads my stuff and I'm a big fan of deadlifting and sure. you know, but you know, it, it might be a little bit of like a, a shock to him that as someone who's written about the deadlift so much is telling him, Hey, we don't have to deadlift. You know, like there's a lot of other things we can do. Yeah. Um, and I think it's kind of like mind fucking him a little bit where he's like, what? Right. Um, and I'm just like, I mean, at some point you got to be like, dude, like you keep breaking down. Like, I mean, and I know I'm coaching it well. Like, it's just, you're just, we're just every, we, he'll be good for a couple weeks and then boom, something like, oh, my back hurts, my hip hurts, this hurts. Um, so it's just like, you know, and he, he listens to a degree. Like, it's not to say he's, he's super stubborn, but, um, people get married to like, it has to be, we have to be doing these exercises and no, you don't. There's no there's no golden rule that says you have to do X exercise um, at any point in time. Right. Yeah. It's all just various movement dogmas. You know, it's a similar concept yeah. with religion, similar concept with diet, whatever. And you get is one trainer. You know, even though maybe they didn't write the book or write a book or whatever, when you enter into their world, recognize that you're in the boundaries that they've created. You know, and it's okay to to pull from that. And then go someplace else and pull from another stadium and then pull from another stadium. Yeah. And then yeah. you have your own dogmatic stadium, <laughs> you know, yeah. but it should be a poo poo platter. I think, I think that's yeah. the most balanced. And I, I, I like, I love that approach. Like I, I, I have much more respect for uh, a coach that isn't married to any one way of doing anything. Like nothing, nothing pisses me off more than when I read or listen to a coach say, you have to squat this way. You have to deadlift sure. this way. Like, I think that is so stupid because yeah. um, that's assuming that everyone has the same anatomy, the same ability level, the same leverages, and they don't. So, um, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very likely that coach has never been to the Amazon, you know, or they've, it's, it's like, it's like, yeah. oh, wow, you go to these other places, like, these people are pretty flipping healthy and they've yeah. never done a deadlift in their life. They pick yeah. tires and crap up all the time, yeah. you know, but they, it's, they've never had that strict linear, perfect planar position, you know, it's like, it's okay. So, uh, thanks so much, man. We're out yeah, that was great. That was awesome. I know we, that, that goes by fast. That's huh? fast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a good time. <laughs> uh, so how do people learn more about your stuff and uh, um, all that well, home base for me is my website. So it's my name, TonyGenocore.com. So that's where I do my blogging. That's where I link to all my articles and 
social media and stuff like that. So uh, I would love it if people wanted to come visit me there. And um, as you noted, like I try to, I try, I'm pretty consistent with putting up content and uh, linking to other people's content. So uh, that would be where to get a hold of me. Right, man. Thanks so much. Appreciate all, awesome. all the work. Thanks, you're Aaron. Doing Appreciate and, it. Yeah, and uh, hopefully, if you make it back out to the Northwest, hit me up. Oh yeah, I, I hope Seattle was amazing. I, I definitely want to make it out there at some point. Cool. I live in the sunny part of the Northwest, oddly enough. Ah, so well, when I was out there, it was beautiful. So okay. I don't know what people are talking about it being cloudy and gloomy all the time. You I went out there. You haven't been out there in November. It's a different. It's a different. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. All right, go ahead. We'll see. Well, I will I'll right. keep you posted on when all this stuff goes up, and then yeah, uh, let me know. I'll uh, I'll be happy to help uh, spread the word. Cool, brother. Sweet. All right, man. Aloha. Talk soon. Ciao. Take care. Bye. Align Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the ranking and the visibility of the show, and they make me smile. So I look forward to reading those guys. Be sure to check out the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you can find my blog. You can find this podcast, more information about the topics and the, and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body as well. Be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is as small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car. And it's like a physical therapist, a massage therapist, all wrapped up into one package. I know you guys are going to love the website. I know you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. And I look forward to hearing your comments. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.